Hi, welcome to Navigating the Spectrum. I'm Michelle Portlock, your host, and I'm so happy to have you with me. Today, I am interviewing my sister, Brittany Strebel, and I really wanted to talk to Brittany because not only is she a wife and mother to four, but two of her four children have been adopted through the foster care program. And I think it's pretty cool because Brittany was a CASA, which she had to remind me stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate for Children. And she became a CASA after her first adoption and before her second adoption. Is that right, Brittany? Yep. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sure glad you're with me today. So thank you, Brittany. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you said yes. And here's what I want to talk to Brittany about. So she has... Like I said in her introduction, she was a CASA and she was also a part of the foster care program and had children in her home. And so what I'm wondering, Brittany, is what made you decide or what helped you decide that adoption might be the right direction for you? You know, I always kind of thought in the back of my mind, even before we had kids, I thought, you know, I think there's a lot of kids out there that might be able to use a stable home. And I thought that would be something we could provide. But I think what really first like set me off on the the path of foster care, thinking of fostering in general was back in high school, somebody, uh, one of my friends said, you know, you'd be good for this job. We're looking for somebody to be a nursery provider for this group of kids. Um, It's called Help Inc. And what it is, is it's a program that helps families in situations of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And I'd go in and I'd babysit these kids, but the stipulation to it was that you couldn't tell anybody where you were going and you couldn't really tell them what you were doing. And you never really knew where your next uh, meeting would be. So I was like, well, this sounds kind of creepy, but also interesting, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know what it was. I was in like 11, I was probably a, you know, junior in high school. So I went there the first time and I realized they were the nicest people there. We got in a circle, all the, all the people we got in a circle, we introduced ourselves and then we'd separate to our rooms and the parents would go get their counseling and the kids would come into the the classroom with me. And it was just cool. It was really neat to see the faces of people who were Mm -hmm. struggling and to kind of put a face to what we might think of as, you know, people in, in traumatic uh, situations. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was cool to be able to help that way. So I think that kind of like prompted me to explore that avenue. Yeah, I can see how it would. I think that it would be very fulfilling to go in and say, I'm playing a positive role in a traumatic situation. It really is. It's super rewarding. And and you meet, you meet neat people. You meet a lot of humble people, really, honestly. And it's, mm. it is really cool to see. And you see a lot of helpers. You see a lot of people who, who want to help each other. And that's so humbling. So I love that. I love that too. And I can see how that, it sounds like that stayed with you, that experience. And mm-hmm. as you got married and had two children that you started looking into becoming part of the foster care program. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we decided is adoption, right. Um, is 
is is foster care right we'd had our two kids and i thought we wanted to expand our family more and we just said you know why don't we try why don't we just take the foster classes let's just give it a shot so we just we just took it step by step it was very very shocking for my husband so <laughs> it was not something that he would have ever you know thought to do um mm-hmm. so i just told him we are not obligated to this let's just take it one step at a time Mm-hmm. So we just started and started, we met with a initial person that came in and just asked us questions. That's all they did. Mm-hmm. And then they said, all right, well, if you pass this, then, then it kind of went on to home, home studies and then went on to taking classes. So it just kind of one step at a time, one class at a time, we kind of just kept pushing through. I was amazed. There's a couple classes that are hard to watch mm-hmm. when you start and, and teacher, one of our classes says most of the time people leave here. And after this class, they won't come back. Wow. So if I see you next week, you know, and we did, we, we were kind of distraught after that class. And we, we just talked about it. And we're like, is this something we want to pursue? And we had to, we had to really like, uh, think about it and, and give it a lot of thought. So it's, it's definitely a, a road that's not always, you know, easy, but. Yeah, I can, I can see that it wouldn't be. And I just, so it kind of sounds like to me that, like you said, you took it one step at a time and you didn't push yourselves too hard and you just kind of felt it out mm-hmm. as you went along, but you clearly came back after that class that was so challenging and you kept going. So tell me about when JR came into your life. What what was that like? And I guess I'm going to piggyback on that by saying once you had him, how did you know that adoption was the route that you really wanted to take? Well, yeah, that's that's actually funny because when you take when you take the foster care classes, they make it very clear that this is not an adoption agency. Mm -hmm. So they make it very clear if you're planning to adopt and you absolutely want to adopt, this isn't the road for you. So we went in with a really open mind um, and honestly thinking we might not adopt and that's okay. Like we just would love to, to just foster. That would be great. And then he came to our lives because we got a phone call one day and Um, It was one of maybe, it was probably like our third phone call because we just weren't feeling right or the timing wasn't right with a couple of the other uh, situations. And we got this call and they said, we have this three-year-old, you know, little boy. I asked about him and I was just, oh, I don't know. And they said, the one thing that stuck out to me that they said was, um, his teachers love him and they Aww. they just think he's the sweetest and they call him the mother hen of the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and the best thing is they were calling him that as a toddler and he's a teenager and he is still just like that. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he really is. And I was like, um, done. Yes. Bring him to our house. <laughs> he, he will fit in. <laughs> bring that mother hen. <laughs> Yeah. And he was, he was always so sweet and like, oh, just, just sweet. Always been sweet. And we, we really just enjoyed having him, Mm -hmm. but it took us just a couple of weeks before we started realizing there were some uniqueness 
about him sure. and parenting him. And so, yeah, it was probably, I'd say about two weeks and we looked at each other. We we're like, okay, this is going to be a little bit harder than we thought. As sweet as he is, mm-hmm. we realized there was, you know, just some delays uh, mm-hmm. speaking, right? And so- mm-hmm. So um, we had speech delays. Yeah, he had some speech delays. Um, He had some learning delays and, and, and he also had some attachment issues where one time, like if he needed things, he would- sometimes walk out our front door and go to our neighbor's house and ask them for something. And so he didn't know to come to me for help. And so, and one, and then another time it was snowing outside, he went outside and he kind of got caught in a little bit of a snow, snow drift. Uh And instead of picking himself up and, or saying, you know, get mom or my other son came in and said, mom, JR sitting in the, snow and he's just crying he's you know he's just sitting there and Uh instead of there was just things he didn't quite know how to ask for help he didn't Mm -hmm. know quite where to get help from it seemed so yeah um we just learned we had to be extra careful with him because he didn't know quite how to protect himself oh that actually hurts my heart yeah and i would imagine that him struggling with attachment might have brought a struggle to attach in return. But am I, am I on the right track with that or am I not? Yeah. He, I think you expect a child to give you the love that you want to to give them. Mm -hmm. And so when they don't give you that, it's a little bit disappointing Mm -hmm. to us as parents, I think. Um, Mm -hmm you know, you, you cuddle other kids or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you say neurotypical children, maybe I don't. So you, you know, you'll cuddle them and you'll maybe get that same response mm-hmm. back from a child, but that just wasn't uh, how he was. It was uh, very different just on the connection side of it. I, I actually really connect. I'm going to use that word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually really connect with what you're saying because I've, I've said in many of my posts on my Instagram account and in a couple different podcasts over the last year that my two children who are autistic, neither one of them likes or appreciates hugs and they didn't their whole childhood's and my son in particular, he's still in that stage at 14. And my oldest at 19, she will finally give me hugs. And I didn't beg for them. I never did because I knew it was uncomfortable and I didn't want to guilt. But I also, I miss, I missed it. I really wanted that. But I kept saying, okay, this isn't about me. This is about them and I'm going to help them meet their needs. And Mm -hmm. I still, because I still believe that physical connection helps create bonds. So I do the simplest things with my son. Like we, we fist bump Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not exactly what I wish it was, but it works for him. He'll do that and he's comfortable with it. And so that's where we're at right now. And so I understand wanting to bond, but your child, maybe not wanting to bond or knowing how to bond Mm -hmm. in the same way. Yeah. And it's something I've learned over the years of having JR and, you know, also raising my other kids is 
a lot of times too, I've realized that he was bonding with me. It just Mm. wasn't in the same way I expected it to be. Mm. And so I just the other day we were, um, I got this box of cards off Amazon. I don't know if I'll just share this. It's the table topics, conversation cards. Oh yeah. And so we pull, we pull those out sometimes when I want to connect, you know, with my kids and Uh I pulled it out and one of them was what was your most important moment in your life? And he was like, you know, I, I think my most life-changing moment was probably when I came to live with you guys and he got kind of teary-eyed and he was crying a little bit and I was, Oh, and then I kind of start, start getting teary-eyed. Cause I thought, really, you do, you like us? Like you really love us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Let's be a family. <laughs> I know. It's, like, oh, it's our bonding moment. So um, it was just really sweet. And my point is, is I thought all these years, no, I, we should have had this conversation 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it was just sweet. It was a sweet moment because I realized really, truly not, not every child or person bonds in the same way is what mm-hmm. I've learned. Yeah. I, I think that's a really important life lesson, especially when we're talking about like neurodivergent individuals. And I think it applies to all of us. Mm-hmm. We all have our methods of bonding. And even in, you know, you hear the love languages, everyone has a different love language too, mm-hmm. you know, and mine is touch. So to have my children not want to touch, that was Art. tricky for me, but it was a good lesson to me that just because I wanted that and that was my love language, I, I could still accept that and know that about myself. But I needed to kind of shift my mindset of kind of what you were saying earlier. People bond in their own way. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. Yeah. It doesn't need to be what we perceive that it should be. I I, I agree with that. And it took me a long time to realize that. Um Mm-hmm. I think it about 11 months into our case with him and we realized, OK, we really think, you know, this might go to adoption. And and my husband and I both kind of had a moment we were talking and we just said, um, can you do can we do this? You know, are you mm-hmm. like, can you do it? Like, it's really crazy to have that choice. We both knew we were like right then. We're doing this. This is what we're going to do. It's not going to be easy. And we both knew that like mm-hmm. right then. And, and it was for the first time we got on the same page where we both said, I feel the same way. You feel the same way. And it was, you know, we love him. We want to help him. Um, we're not there yet with him. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a road and a process, but yeah. we were willing to do it, you know? So yeah, it takes time. It's a lot of work, but, but it does come with time, the, the connection and the bonding and all that. So it does. And I saw just as an outsider looking in, I mean, somewhat of an insider, but it wasn't my immediate, my own little family. It was yours. Mm-hmm. And I did see a lot of consistency and you guys always showing up in the same way for him. And I've seen the same thing with Emmy. I've seen it with all of your children, but I think it takes an extra focused effort when you are fostering and adopting children. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot of consistency and being there for them and letting them know what's important to you. I guess Mm -hmm. what the, you know, um, 
teaching your family values, creating the family boundaries for everyone. They, they learn how to fit within this family unit. Yes. Yeah. Because they've had something totally different for the first part of their lives, you know? So it was, it is a little bit of an adjustment to get to that point, but, Uh and a lot of, a lot of work, but there's a lot of help too. Uh So we had awesome caseworkers that helped us through. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of combined effort of people helping different therapists and speech and school and all of that. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so how old, I mean, I know these answers, but for listeners, (laughs) how old was JR when he first arrived in your home? Um, JR was three. He was uh, almost four. Mm -hmm. And so it's been, has it been 11 years now? So let's see, he'll be 16 in this coming June. So, wow. We are all so grateful to have him in this family. He's just this little connector. (laughs) Since we're throwing out the word connection here and there and willy nilly. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought, but he is, he's this great connector. He's just so kind, so easy to be around and he makes you feel good about yourself. Oh, yes. It just does. I always leave and I, and I realize I am smiling every time I leave hanging out with JR. (laughs) Yeah, you're so sweet. He, he really is so good and has, we have a book of JR moments and we write it down because (laughs) We always say nobody could do this, but Jr. He's so funny and he does things that we like to say. And he told me I could say this. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, teaching common sense, common sense doesn't come to everybody. And I didn't know that. Sometimes we do have to teach common sense, but it's also been hilarious because he does things where I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize I had to teach you that. And that's really funny. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, I, okay, first of all, I've, I've witnessed a couple, just a couple little tiny experiences. And I always love that First of all, I think it's great that you have like a little book for him because he knows it's funny. He embraces it. He He, does. He doesn't feel like sad about it. He's just like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's so great because he's just, he's just happy with who he is. It's fantastic. He is. He is happy. He's so happy. And and that's, he's accommodating. Mm -hmm. He's never fought us. He has some hard things and he has... He's never fought us on taking medication for things or, you know, ever Mm -hmm. schooling. And and that was one thing is he qualified. Finally, I figured out I got him an IEP Mm -hmm. too late in life. I should have done it sooner. But um, his teacher said, this is a really difficult decision. And and what you're going to do is probably scar him because he's so old now. He's not going to fit in with this, this group that's already been, you know, traveling together in this, I, you know, with this, I, this IEP journey. journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just said, you know what? I still feel like he needs it. And I talked to JR and he said, that was fine. And he jumped right in and just befriended all of these kids in this program. It was amazing to watch. Never once ever did he complain. And I just was amazed. I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. And it's very JR. 
Yeah, it, it really is very JR. So I guess my last question for you is we talk about attachment. We talk about connection. Is there something that you would share with other parents, maybe one or two really important things or or really useful tools that you tapped into that helped you create attachment? You can care for a child mm-hmm. without initially fully loving that you don't really fully have that parental. And, and that's just a, that is just foster care sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't, and it's the reality of it and not, nobody really talks about it, talks about it, but sometimes mm-hmm. you are caring for a child and you can care for them without really having that strong bond or maybe even a strong love for them. And, and I would say being patient, I should have been more patient with myself and just say that this is okay. I was really hard on myself mm-hmm. for, for a couple of years, even after I just thought, Oh, I just was so hard on myself. And, and I think now like, that's okay. Like that was, that was the process and I'd be yeah. much more patient with myself. So, mm-hmm. um, and just learning. And I think it was my dad, he said, your child doesn't need to know you feel that way, you know? Um, and I thought yeah. that was kind of cool that I said, you're mm-hmm. right. Like I can feel this way, but I, he doesn't need to know. Mm-hmm. I can keep working on the relationship and, and mm-hmm. um, getting to know him and serving him and helping him and helping him accommodate his needs. He doesn't have to have to know that it's a process. Yeah. He can just feel Yes, he can be a kid and he can feel you showing up for him yeah, and being consistent with him. And over time, I think what you said about serving and loving and doing and just experiencing life together, that's yeah, that's that's part of what helps love to grow. Those are all parts of the equation. And I I think it's really healthy that we talk about this because I do think a lot of parents, and I mean, what I do is heavily focused on autism and Mm -hmm. I have worked with many parents who say, I need to learn how to connect with my child. Mm -hmm. I I'm struggling in that way. I don't know how to connect with my child. Can you help me? And so now that we're talking about connection and attachment and then, and then it can come even with your own children. I mean, and what I mean by that is your biological children that you brought into this world. And Mm -hmm. because these are your children. You are their mom. These are your children, all four of them. Yeah. And it's equal and the same and you love them the same, but it was a process. And I think when I listen to this, I would ask you like, if there are some really specific things did when, when you did the foster care program, did they say, try a or B or C it's a very, hard thing to know because every child is so different. And so you get a lot of different advice. And with Emmy, she came to us at seven months Mm -hmm. and she wouldn't cuddle us. So a normal baby would maybe lay down. And even if she was so tired, she would just stiff back all the time. Uh And I hadn't really experienced that. She had probably, you know, had a lot of movement in her short life. And so I think she wasn't sure where she was and who was going to, you know, what's going on Mm -hmm. here. So one thing I found with her was I found she brought a blanket with her that had traveled with her. So that was Mm -hmm. one thing she was attached to. 
And so I realized if I put that blanket on my shoulder Mm -hmm. or wherever I wanted her to snuggle to me, you know, I would put the blanket and then she would, she would, you know, cuddle the blanket. And that was kind of a way that I was able to help attach to her. I love that. that. So bringing in something that helps them feel comfort and safety and security. Yeah. Because it's scary, you know, it's Mm -hmm. scary to be in a new place and not know who, who you can trust and who's going to take care of you. So Mm -hmm. it was, um, that helped a lot with Emmy and with JR, I would say time and learning to laugh at things and learning to not take things so seriously mm-hmm. and be be patient and just be patient um every mm-hmm. kid every kid is every child is different mm-hmm. so he attached very differently than than emmy she's now extremely attached and he <laughs> jr is still a very independent person Mm-hmm. But he has a lot of love and and sweetness. But he still is more independent than mm-hmm. than my other kiddos, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you doing this with me, and I appreciate you sharing some of your own experiences and your wisdom because it is wisdom, and it's wisdom very much earned. So I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. For those of you that are listening, you can also find me on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. Thanks for listening. 